Thank you for tuning in to Here's the Deal. I am your host, Kylie Larson, and today we are talking to Katie Scouse, who is a retired nurse turned health coach who guides women with high-functioning depression and or anxiety to take back control of their life so they feel free and experience joy on a daily basis. So in this episode, Katie describes to us what a high-functioning person with anxiety or depression looks like and also how she helps them. And one of the reasons she's able to help them so well is because she has had her own journey and experience with depression as well. She was able to find her way out and now she's able to help others. So her 20-year nursing career led her down this path and we talk about why she made the switch from, you know, more of your traditional western medicine into taking a more holistic approach into how she now wants to help people. So not only will this be beneficial if you are dealing with anxiety and or depression, but if you are feeling stuck in your career or really stuck anywhere in your life, you're definitely going to want to listen to this episode because you're going to feel so much hope, like change is possible. You hear that so often with my guests on the podcast. So we also talk a little bit about nutrition because I was, I don't want to say I was surprised, but um, I was happy to hear that the first thing that Katie addresses with clients is nutrition. Basically, you guys, if you want to feel good, you need to eat good. This does not mean that you only eat salads. It does not mean that you never eat a taco or a cookie again, but you need to understand that what you put in your body has a very large impact on how you feel. So if you are struggling with anxiety or depression and it is affecting your behaviors and you are doing behaviors that you're not proud of or you wish you weren't doing, you're going to get something out of this. I have put links to all of Katie's information in the show notes, but super easy. You can check her out at katiescouse.com. And on Instagram, her handle is katiescouse. She offers both one-on-one and group coaching. And I honestly cannot recommend her enough. And I cannot wait to have her back. Enjoy. Hey guys, so welcome back to the show. I'm so excited because I am talking today with my lifelong friend, Katie Scouse, who has an amazing story herself. So we're going to talk a little bit about Katie, um, but also how she helps women feel their best, deal with anxiety and depression and bring joy. And this, this is not on her website, but I'm going to add and pleasure into their lives. This has been a huge focus for us. Um, on the podcast this year, I'm drawn to it. I know that this is an area where I'm trying to grow. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today, Katie. So first off, thanks so much for being here with me today. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Yay. So (laughs) Katie, can you tell people what it is that you do now? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm a health coach and, um, health coach is sort of like, the health side and the life side. It's like all of it. So I don't deal strictly like life coaching per se. Um, It's more getting your health goals on track. And then what I do specifically is I work with women with high functioning depression and anxiety and help them just get out from being stuck in that 
and, and suffering. So we get a little bit of joy and freedom back in their life. Can you, before we talk a little bit more about your background, mm -hmm. can you show us or explain to us, what does this look like? What does a high functioning anxiety slash depression person look like? Yeah, for sure. Um, I get this question a lot. So high functioning depression isn't like a code you're going to find in the DSM book. This is not a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's a term I came across in the last couple years, and I find it to be just a little bit more inclusive. So you don't have to go to a doctor and get, you know, the three out of five criteria met and say, okay, you know, you fit this box, this diagnosis to get treatment, to get support, to get something. It's, you know, I am suffering. I feel you know, sad and I'm still going about my life, but it sucks and it's exhausting because I'm dealing with all these heavy symptoms. And so I like high functioning because it, it just encompasses more people. Uh -huh. You know, you don't have to have a diagnosis. I get people that come to my, my group and my coaching sessions that are like, is this me? Like, what can I do? And, you know, I'm less, concerned with what we're going to label you as and more just like what are your specific symptoms you know what are you dealing with mm -hmm. does it come you know in cyclically is it all the time mm -hmm. I, I care less about the label and yeah. more about what are your specific symptoms and what can we do specifically to alleviate those symptoms can you talk about some of the symptoms yeah um it's different for both and, and like I said, some people have it differently with, with depression, you know, it's, it's a heavy sadness. Usually mm -hmm. it's a, it's, um, a lot of ruminating thoughts of worthlessness oh, and hopelessness. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what happens with these thoughts is they keep circling until they, you find real things in your life to make them seem real, like very objective and then they get tied into your emotions and it's just it just becomes this all consuming thing because once you get into the emotions it's heavy and you start reaching for the behaviors and then you know you know whether it's you know on the extreme like cutting or something to alleviate or drinking to alleviate it's um it's just kind of this this cycle when you get you get into it so i guess for a lot of people that are still like in that high functioning range, it's, I go about my day, I go to work, I take care of my kids and then like cry myself at night or I drink at night or, um, you, you know, I work with women with this because I dealt with this for years and you become like a really good actor. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can put on a good face and be really okay. And then once you're alone, you like, oh, I can like let, let my guard down and let all these feelings out. And then, you know, but it's just this back and forth and it's exhausting. Yeah. So um, I can imagine then once you do let your guard down and you have these behaviors, then that just helps the cycle repeat itself because you're like, yeah, this I'm, I'm sadder. I am still worthless. I can't not do that. These behaviors, what, does it look different on the anxiety side? Yeah, I mean, anxiety can be, you know, different categories. And it's funny because anxiety in our culture is somehow more accepted. It's yeah. like, yeah, more okay for us to say, oh, I'm so anxious mm -hmm. than I'm so depressed. 
Mm -hmm. um, but anxious is again, ruminating thoughts, but they're very fear-based typically. Mm. It's more about, you know, a lot in the past year, fear of, you know, your health and your safety. Um, it could be um, fear of just being out in a group, fear of being seen. It's, it's a lot more fear-based that could not allow you to go through with, with actions. And then you kind of seclude yourself again because you have to just be able to regulate your own emotions. Mm. So just to clarify, in case anyone's like missing, this is how I'm interpreting this. The depression is more on the sad side, worthlessness and hopelessness. And then the anxiety is more the fear. Typically. Okay. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Hand in hand. Okay. They very often go together. Um, last episode, I talked with my friend, Joe Iben, who's a, a counselor and a therapist. And we talk all about the anxiety and how like collectively we're all here. Mm -hmm. I mean, so like anyone who's listening to this, chances are you might need to talk to Katie. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I say. Like, I, you know, I just feel like these terms have been so like, people feel like they need to be called, you have depression to be considered. And it's, I think we all live on a spectrum. I, yeah. you know, zero to 10, I'm yeah. a nurse by history. So I like my scales and <laughs> You know, to me, like living around a two might be very, you know, for either anxiety or depression, two might be very okay and you're fine. Once it gets around a five, like you're you're kind of like dealing with some stuff and it's uncomfortable. Gets up to a seven or eight and like you're in the thick of it and we're trying to keep you down, down here. And it's different life stressors, different things that are going on for you, you know, for women, different time of the month. Like there's all these factors that go into it. And so we live on this, this spectrum. It, it comes in and out all the time for most yeah. people. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I, I want to come back to this here in just a moment, but since you brought up your background as a nurse, first off, <laughs> how can we possibly say that you have been a nurse for 20 years? Like, we're not old enough to say that, are we? <laughs> I know, I know. Are we like 27? I thought we were 27. <laughs> it's crazy so, for me to even hear that out loud. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I retired and it, it's actually, as of May, 2021 is 20 years. That blows my mind. I you know. guys. So Katie and I went to high school together. That's why it blows my mind. <laughs> but let's talk about your shift because I've had several people speak with us who used to be in the traditional medical area and then they've gone off and taken a more holistic approach. Can we talk about why you have made this transition? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I... Granted, I was a little baby nurse when I started. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I like flew through college and that that's why it's 20 years. But anyway. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. You know, in 20 years of nursing, I have seen medical black and white lines change four or five times over. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like at one point, this was the truth. And then that changes because we learn more or whatever. And it just keeps changing. Yeah. And what I learned is that more and more and more, there's just so much gray area mm -hmm. in medicine. And we think it's very black and white. And, and it's all very individualized and, and specific. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, the way the medical system is set up is doctors just don't have the time. Yeah. You know, they don't have the time. And then they also have these criteria to fit you into a box and then they're going to treat you with what they know from their books to mm -hmm. treat that box with. Okay. And, 
you know, I ended up at the end of my career working with um, a couple of naturopaths who are just phenomenal doctors. And I learned so much about, um, I can't tell you, I would say 75% of the patients that came in were coming in because their traditional Western medicine doctors weren't fixing their problem. Mm-hmm. You know, they were outside of that box. So they would come in and they would tell me their story and they would say, well, they didn't know what it was this or that. So they gave me steroids and antibiotics. Oh my gosh. Everybody. I mean, I could tell you a billion different symptoms. And I was like, is this what we're doing now? So this is what we're doing. <laughs> I don't know. Let's just throw some antibiotics at it and see what happens. <laughs> and I was like, this is just, it's so wrong. Um, and it's just, it's treating the whole person. It's not, it's just the, the old system doesn't work anymore. Yep. And that's what we keep hearing over and over again. And I feel like part of my mission with this is getting people to understand that and see the value in it, because I know that our current medical system, medical care system doesn't, you know, allow most insurance doesn't cover this, but we have to find a way to like make it work so we can see you guys or holistic practitioners. Mm -hmm. And I'm not like against it. It's, uh, it's an integrative, you know, it's like both. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes steroids and antibiotics are the answer and they're going to make you feel a lot better. They're yeah. just not always the answer. Right. It's well, like, it's, it's integrative. It's using both. Mm-hmm. I love what you were talking about. There's so much gray area. It is so individualized. That's just like nutrition. That's why there is no one size fits all for anyone out there. The answer is always with me. It depends. <laughs> I'm assuming totally. with you, it's very much the same. <laughs> yeah. It it is for so many people. Like we used to do this test at that clinic I worked at and it was um, the, oh God, I'm going to blink on the name, but basically it tests all your food sensitivities. Mm -hmm. Have you done these tests? I've never done one of these. Mm -mm. And I mean, it's down to like the spices and these people will be like, oh, I'm crazy sensitive to cinnamon. (laughs) And that, you know, like those chickpeas that you're eating are actually causing a lot of inflammation in your body. So it's like, we're all just so different and individual. So you got to figure out what works for you. Absolutely. You do. So speaking of nutrition, Katie, I know you support your women with nutrition. Can you talk to us about why um, and what that looks like? Keeping in mind that it's going to be different from me to Nancy to Susan. Let's just talk more about nutrition and how that supports them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Even when someone comes to me with, you know, major depressive symptoms, we start with nutrition. Yeah, because we are what we eat. Mm -hmm. I was like, if you want to, you know, if you want to eat Cheetos, you're going to feel like a Cheeto. (laughs) You know, know, it's just it, you know, for me, a lot of my figuring out about how to make depressive symptoms better, it was just my experimenting and knowledge on myself. And that was one of the first things I changed and I saw a huge shift. So I always ate pretty healthy, you know, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I've not been like an unhealthy eater, but when I noticed you know, it's the, the dark leafy greens that are full of B vitamins that your brain needs for brain health. Mm -hmm. Um, it's high sugar foods also in your gut compete with your absorption for B vitamins. And so there's just all these little like tricks that you can do to optimize your brain health. And so, and also, you know, eating like crap makes you feel like crap. So it's all of that. It's getting, it's getting your nutrition in order and getting your body moving like day one. Yep. That's the foundation you guys. And I think it's important that we understand that 
when someone comes to me and they have weight loss goals, there's so much more. Like I can help you do that, but it's so it's, it can be so much more meaningful if you understand what you're actually going to get out of this when you change the way that you eat, because it goes way beyond macros, mm-hmm. right? It's about the gut. So yes, if you're experiencing these things and you're putting this crappy food in your system, that's not great for your gut and your gut and your brain are connected. So it's like, not, not no surprise. Cause I do know this is new information for a lot of people, but what, how powerful and empowering to understand that we can actually take some action right now and start to feel better. Yeah, absolutely. And it, You know, for me, being in a depressive episode is so uncomfortable that the power of like an afternoon cookie, it like all the power of all the willpower, like everything went away. It's like, cause I don't want that cookie Uh because I want to feel better that, that strongly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like making that connection of like that afternoon sugar pick me up is what's going to make you feel bad. Like on that level. It's it like connecting those dots caused such a shift for me. And I see it in my clients. So it like takes the decision making. There's no willpower needed. It, this is on a cellular level. Yeah. It's like a deeper understanding and a, and a deeper desire to feel better. And that is the desire that you need, I think, in order to make this lasting change. Mm-hmm. It does come down to your why, like, why am I doing this? So, and you know, and it doesn't like, I feel like people kind of come at me like, oh, they're going to, she's going to tell me I can't eat ever eat cookies or, you know, and it's not that at all. It's not like deprivation. We know deprivation doesn't do any favors, but it's, you know, if you eat good five out of seven days, you're going to feel it because you're going to be the average of what you do. Yeah. Right. If you still want to have tacos on Tuesday, have tacos on Tuesday, but you know, for the rest of that day, eat all your vitamins and eat good, stay on track. So I'm, I'm pretty flexible when it comes to that. Yeah. And I, um, balance feels so good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I, I hope people can find that at some point in their life to where you aren't rushing and scrambling all the time and where it's not all in or all out, but you have this flow I think that's where that freedom you talk about a lot mm-hmm. comes from. Yeah, that's- absolutely. I, you know, I know you harp on this too, but the power of routine and how freeing it is when you think it's the opposite, you think, yeah. oh, I don't want to be that disciplined, mm-hmm. but really when you have these things in place and stick to it, the freedom it gives you to make other choices mm-hmm. is it's, um, you know, that was eye-opening for me at first. Yeah, because since I know you, I mean, have you read any of Gretchen Rubin's books? Have you read The Four Tendencies? No. Okay, so there's four types of people, and I'm going to see if I can get them. Okay. We have upholders, we have questioners, we have um, upholders, questioners, we have rebels, and obligers. Mm, Okay. So upholders... People who do, they're a dream to coach. They just do what you tell them to do. They're going to do it. You don't got to check with them. Upholders. I'm an upholder. Obligers. Obligers make excellent partners and friends because they do whatever someone wants them to do. So they're not the woman that's going to do this for themselves. They're going to have to first do it for their family. Um, Questioners. 
They ask all the questions. I mean, it's cool. We got the answers, right? We'll fill you in, but could you just trust me, please? Then we have the rebels. I'm not going to do what you tell me to do. <laughs> you have to really like play mind games with them to make it their idea. Yes. But I think Katie, I would probably have classified you at least in the past as more of a rebel. Like you do what you want to do. You do your yeah. own thing. Yeah. And now you've like, you see. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like you tell me I can't do it. I'm going to do it. Like, you, you can't tell me what to do. That's kind of like ruled my life. Yeah. <laughs> but now you are doing it because it is your idea. Like it, it works. It works. It, it's, it just, it frees you up. I don't know how else yep. to say it. Can we talk a little bit more about your story? <laughs> so when you were feeling depressed, so did this start when you were getting, going through your divorce or just start and talk about it? Yeah. Um, you know, the more I look at it, it's kind of followed me through my entire adult life. Yeah. There's definitely times when it was more pronounced. And I seriously haven't seen a lot of that until recently looking back at it. Mm -hmm. Like my freshman year of college, I was very depressed. Mm -hmm. My, um, it, you know, I can just see it. I can see it off and on throughout my 20s. But um, I got divorced in 2014. And that was the first time I had really experienced extreme anxiety uh -huh. because life was stressful, right? Yeah. <laughs> My anxiety was at an eight or a nine. It was unmanageable. I was having panic attacks. I like couldn't eat. I, it was, you know, and it was because life was really hard. My life was like falling apart as I knew it. So, but that was my first experience with that. And, you know, as I began to heal from that, that got less and less, but now I'm more aware to when those symptoms come up because I can feel it. I lose my appetite. I just like, I, you kind of need to awareness of your symptoms is one of the things we work on. And then, you know, the depression, I has always come in and out. And I, for the longest time, really thought that I just had a like drinking problem. Yeah. You know, it was more like I could see that I would be drinking too much wine or something at a certain time. And, you know, it wasn't until just the last couple of years, honestly, when I really got serious about getting better, was that I noticing that I was just really trying to regulate my moods. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, it wasn't like, and I, I never saw that. I always saw the behaviors of what I was doing as a problem. Mm -hmm. I couldn't see it. And, you know, now I look back at it and I remember days when I would, go to Costco and like cry my eyes out the whole way there and then sit in the parking lot, like, you know, make sure my eyes were good enough to go in the store and then shop. Yeah. And then get in my car, cry the whole way home. Cause I didn't want to cry in front of my kids. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. It was just like, I look back at it and I'm like, what did I think of? What did I think was going on there? <laughs> I don't know. I think maybe you think it's circumstantial in the time, but after so many years of it coming in and out, like it, it just, it, it's always there, you mm -hmm. know, and it's, it still comes and goes and it's, it's a weird thing, but now even doing this work, I heal so much as I do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's um, it's so, it's been so cathartic, but mm -hmm. I, I see it now. And when I see it coming, I get anxious because I feel like I can't control it. Yeah. And it's not that I can't, but it starts with thoughts. Uh -huh. And as it does for most people, 
they're just their thoughts and they tend to be based in some kind of it's either unworthy, not enough, unlovable, mm-hmm. some, something along those lines. And then, you know, you find the real things in your life to base it on and then you get emotional and then, you know, it, it just keeps going from there. But now I can see it at the thoughts. I see it coming on and I can put all of these things that I've learned in place. It's mm-hmm. like, I used to go to the wine and now I'm like all of my healing strategies times 10, (laughs) you know, I'm, I'm exercising more. I'm eating more. I'm journaling like crazy, Mm -hmm. all the things that I know work for me. And and that's what I do with my clients. We find the strategies that work for them and they work in the different levels of symptoms because for me, running helps me a lot, but when I'm in the thick of it, like you don't have any energy, you don't have, like, you don't want to get up and do anything. So the idea of running is like way out there, but but I can get up and walk or, you know, so we put things in place that, you know, you can do when you're in each level of symptoms and, um, you know, and now it's, it seems to come around, but it doesn't stay as long. I can be kind to myself and get through it. I have another coach that I work with, who's a depression coach and she's been through it. And so I can reach to her because she kind of knows where I'm at. So that's been very helpful. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's just, I think, unfortunately, one of these things that's going to kind of be there. And I think there's a lot of programs out there that say you can cure it. And I'm like skeptical, 100% cure. I I think it's always going to be a risk that it can come around. But I do think like I am 90% of the time free of it. And that's what drives me to help other women have this freedom is because because it gets, it gets pretty painful, you know, it gets pretty down. It's hard. Absolutely. I mean, the women have to deal with it. Absolutely. With on top of everything that we're dealing with, like this silent workload that you don't get paid for the mental space that everything that you have to do takes up. We're asking a lot of ourselves. Yeah. Um, Gosh, that, that made me so sad to think about you at Home Depot. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's weird. And that that's why it's just kind of funny that I didn't realize it. It's yeah. like, I want to talk about it. So people like, Oh, you know, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's me, you know, maybe I can't put down the wine at night because I'm trying to regulate my sadness. Cause I was busy all day long. Cause busy is a really good distractor too. Right. Yes. Yeah. Busy is really good. And then you slow down and then the feelings come up. And so you have to kind of question yourself, like, why am I reaching for that wine? And usually it's to deal with a feeling you don't want to have. Yes. And again, I want to, I want to talk about the overlap between what it is that we do. So when I have a client who has a hard time giving up the wine at night too, that's, that's what I want to know. It's not that I want you to drink wine. I want you to know why is Mm -hmm. this what you're reaching for? And because maybe there's something else going on here we need to look at. Yeah. Um, I think it's fair that you didn't see what was going on because you're just in it. Like, how can you see out of it? You're in the thick of it. Exactly. You don't know until you get a little perspective. Mm-hmm. And the other thing I've got to ask you about is your freshman year of college. Um, as I've started to do some work, I'm learning that that was a really challenging year for me too. And the start of a lot of disruptive behaviors as well, destructive behaviors. 
what was, what was your like, have you pinpointed a catalyst or an event? Was it just a hard time? No, I mean, it's a huge transition for any of us. Yeah. Right. Um, and for a lot of people, like your brain chemistry is changes in your early twenties. So sometimes it's, you know, a combination of those things. I don't see any a specific event causing many of my symptoms other than my divorce. Yeah. Well, look at you now. I know. I know. It's uh it's it's been a ride, but I'm I'm so excited to be doing this work. And you know, it's funny, like I was telling you, a lot has come to light for me. And now I remember when I was a freshman in college, I initially wanted to go into psychology. And then I kind of got persuaded out of it because I was like, what am I going to do with a psychology degree? Yes. And I went into nursing and like, I went from job to job to job and I had, it was rewarding. I don't regret my nursing career by any means, Mm -hmm. but now all I want to study is psychology. (laughs) Okay. Funny story. Same, same. Yes. I wanted to do psychology and I also want to do kinesiology got persuaded to go the business route, hopped around from agency to agency. This job will be different. This job will be different. Sunday scaries every single week, tears, you know? I mean, I made a transition a little bit sooner, but it's like the parallels are amazing. Yeah. Like why didn't we listen to ourselves? You know, this is like, and this is, this is the work we figure out now because we know more, we know more, we do better. Exactly. And like you you said, I learned so much in those years that helps me today. So I wouldn't change it for the world, but well, I was telling Katie before we like hit record, I want to talk about that too. You can change. I mean, yes, you can change these feelings and you can work with them. They're probably not ever going to go away. I I agree with you, Katie. We're humans. We're going to feel the feels, but if you're stuck in a place where you just, you don't like it anymore, Katie's living proof. I'm living proof. So many people we've talked to, you can absolutely change. Was that hard for you, Katie? Even though you like knew I really want to do this. Was it challenging? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I'm a single mom. Right. You know, like I have to, I have to make money. I live in Southern California and nursing has always been very practical, you know, and I've been a nurse for 20 years. So I made a pretty good income. Yeah. Um, But it was killing me. It's killing her. Literally, literally, it was killing you. Yeah. I just didn't want to do it anymore. And as much as I liked the interaction with the people and the stuff, I was like, I don't care if I get this IV in this person's arm today. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm really good at it, but like, I, you know what I mean? Like my heart wasn't in it anymore. And and that's why this is exciting because I get super excited. Like I'll work till seven or eight at night because I just want to keep working and creating. And that's, that feels so good. Oh, it is. It is such a different feeling. And I mean, there are, there's that saying, like, if you do what you love, you'll never work a day in your life. Um, I don't know if I completely agree with that, but it feels so different when you're doing something that's yours. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's so different. Yeah. It's very uh, self-motivated and it, it feels good. Mm-hmm. Well, and like you said, I think the reason that you and I do what we do there's no way we could have done it if we hadn't gone through what we have gone through in the past. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think there's this funny thing. I, I see it so often now. It's like your early forties for some reason is like this tipping point where yeah. this shit that you were able to bury for a long time, you can't bury it anymore. Mm-hmm. It just comes to the surface. So whether it's 
trauma or feelings or hating your job or stuff just comes up or maybe it's just like even bigger like meaning of life my purpose like Mm -hmm. I I see it often like something about the early 40s there's like a shift there yeah I I wish I could remember which book um I read last year that talked about this too it's like the end is like closer like we're no longer we're in the second part of our lives now so it's like shit or get off the pot yeah (laughs) it's like what do I want the rest of my years here to look like yes and I'm gonna take charge of that (laughs) I I love it yeah because this I don't know if I'll ever be able to retire you know (laughs) now that I've made the shift but that's okay I I would be okay with that (laughs) Mm -hmm. before I would not have said that like, I can't wait to retire. I mean, I still kind of can't wait to retire, but <laughs> you'll get there. I'll get there. So tell me about the one-on-one coaching and the group opportunities that you have. Your, your group coaching is going to start in July. Um, tell me about the one-on-one coaching that you offer in case someone is like, oh my God, I feel like I need this so much in my life. Where do they get started? What does that look like? Yeah. Um, I always meet with people first because I want us to, to get on a zoom and like, look at each other and just see if we're a good fit because it has to be a good fit. Mm-hmm. I have so many people that are like, I've been to four therapists and like, I can't get anywhere. And it's like, you have, you have to find the right person. So I want to get face to face and kind of make sure it's right. I, <laughs> I had gone to therapists that told me there was nothing wrong with me and there's nothing more crazy making than a therapist going, no, you're fine. Get out. <laughs> And clearly there was something wrong with you, Katie. <laughs> there was some stuff going on. And I was like asking for help and getting shut down. And that just makes me sad. But anyway, um, um, so anyway, I want to make sure it's a good fit. And then the, the one-to-one coaching, we, we get on the phone or Zoom once a week and talk. And like I said, we start with nutrition, but we really get into your specific symptoms and how they come up. And we create a plan for how to deal with symptoms as they come up. Mm. Um, but, and then week by week, we kind of fine tune everything Okay. and adjust accordingly. And you start with, you start with the food. You start with nutrition. <laughs> like a food log or to see what um, they're doing or? We, it depends where they're at. Kind of depends where they're at, but um, I totally start education in macronutrients because that's what makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, and most people need more protein. Yep. So I increase protein right away. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we, you know, bring down other things as necessary, but mm-hmm. then, you know, everyone has their individual needs. Like I find the vegan diet, the hardest to work with, but it is possible. <laughs> um, Don't get me started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and then I'm huge on supplements too, because I believe, you know, we're going to, I always feel like you should get your most nutrients from your food as much as you can. But if you're coming to me because you're in pain, then I want you to feel better as soon as possible. So we just like, like double up, like we're going to change your diet, but I also want you to get on supplements. So we do all the B vitamins. It could be complex, maybe B12 because it's B1, B2, B6, B9, B12. So it's like, get a B complex. Uh Um, D vitamin D is also huge in mental health. And if you get it with the K combination, you just absorb it better. So the DK combo um, omega-3. So get a fish oil, mm-hmm. zinc. Yes. Another one known. And there's, there's tons. There's like the top 12. I think I wrote an article about it, but those are the ones that to me, they're a top priority. So we, we get on those, even if you're eating right, I, I we were going to double up on those because those are the ones that are gonna make you feel better faster. 
I love that. So funny. I was listening to an unrelated podcast this morning um, and the very intelligent um, host was talking about this. So yes, these are definitely essential. Um, What was I going to say about this? And also, even if you are like, you do have a pretty whole foods diet, the quality of our soil and things of that nature, we're just not getting what we can from our foods, unfortunately. Yeah. And I know for me, well, I felt a difference. Like I take my vitamins, like they're like my medicine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they are. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I'm, I'm not going to miss those because I know they support my mental health, which is a priority for me. And it, I mean, I hate to say the word should, but, um, what a great priority to have like (laughs) mental health. (laughs) Well, and I also love what I love about you is, I mean, you do have the best of both worlds now because you have this Western medicine background. So, you know, all the things, but now you also have this other side where you can take that more integrative approach. Yeah. I mean, what a what a valuable person to have in your corner. <laughs> Thank That's you. great. Do you talk yeah. a lot about gut health? Do I talk a lot about it? Mm-hmm. Um, just in getting your nutrition right. And you're yeah. stressed down. Cause those are the, the big major things. Like, you know, if you're super stressed out, then your gut's not absorbing anyway. Yes. You know, yes. There's a lot of mindfulness in my program, you know, I teach yoga too. So yeah. I encourage yoga. I don't force it, but we do mindfulness and journaling and energy work. Mm-hmm. Oh, so when I was looking at your website this morning, I saw you, you have a certification in healing touch. I do. I just did a healing touch session last Saturday. You did? Yes. How was it? Um, it was great. And it was like three hours long. Oh, wow. It was with my therapist. So she has this combo. Um, so it was pretty cool. It's not like she had her hands on me the entire time. I wish she would have, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I haven't used it in a long time, but I did. I went through that training when I was working at the children's hospital. Cool. Which was, yeah, it was neat. It was cool to see. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So she was able to do the healing touch and then balance out the chakras and like do therapy all in once. It was it was a Saturday girl. That's a good therapist. Seriously. That's why I recommend her to everyone. Yeah. I had to go to baseball game after that. And I was like, I don't know if this is. You're like super sensitive. (laughs) Yes. So since your group coaching is going to be starting in July, let's talk about that too, as we wrap up. Yeah. Um, actually super excited about this program because it's being born of my experience of working with people and what they need. Um, and it's at a price point that can reach a lot of people, which is different than the Mm one-on-one. I've talked with a lot of women that are stuck at home. I don't say stuck at home. They're at home with children. They're not getting out a lot. And then with COVID, they're even more stuck at home and the depression is real, but the finances aren't there. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really hope that this will be able to reach more people. Yeah. Um, not that anyone has had it harder or easier, but that particular demographic has really had it handed to them. Yeah. Isolation. This, I mean, collectively in the world, we are, we are down. We are anxious and depressed. Yes. Um, but being stuck and isolated, the effects of that are so devastating. Mm-hmm. We just, we need if you are at home with little ones. We know how that is. I mean, we love them, but that's hard. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. Like it's like being needed twenty four seven, but never stimulated. 
And I don't yeah. want to say that to like degrade parenting, but it's really challenging. It was for me. Yeah, I agree with you. Wow, Katie. Well, this is so great. Where can we find you? How can we find you? Your website? Yeah, it's really easy to find me because it's katiescouse.com. <laughs> my Instagram is katiescouse. My Facebook is katiescouse. It's it's that everywhere, just to be simple. Um, katiescousewellness.com is the best way to get in touch with me. Okay. Um, and I just, I feel like these anxious and depressive symptoms are kind of just a side effect of life. Yeah. I think everybody feels them. So if anybody wants just a method to kind of, cause my goal always is to give my clients the tools so they have them forever. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, be with me for 12 weeks or six weeks or whatever. And then you have the tools for life. So mm-hmm. like if you need support because, you know, life, <laughs> then you know, get it. I'm going to, I'm going to share what I got and, you know, customize it to you specifically as much as I can. This is fantastic. And well, as a bystander who's been watching, you have, I mean, you've really been able to make this go and that's so commendable because I know how hard that is to make that transition. Um, but it's working. Yeah. You're getting clients, (laughs) you're helping people, that's got to feel so great. It is. And it's, you know, there's a need out there. And I feel like I've struck on a, a need that's common. Mm-hmm. And having been through it, you know, I can empathize with people. Absolutely. Well, and you, well, I think what makes a great coach is their ability to be a non judgmental listener. And that is exactly how I would describe you, among other things. But you know, I know that I could tell you anything in confidence and I wouldn't get the, <gasps> or judgment at all. So I think that's what we need. No, <laughs> in a coach. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, so go find Katie. <laughs> yeah. You know, for four years of being a hospice nurse taught me how to be a really good listener. So. Oh my gosh. Do you think anyone could do it longer than four years? That's hard. Yeah. Yeah, I worked with some nurses that were like lifers there and they're just like the coolest, best people I've ever met. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. Well, it is so wonderful seeing you shine and doing what you are put on this earth to do. Thank you so much for chatting with me today, Katie. You're welcome. It's so fun talking to you. I I know, I know, it's amazing. Okay, hold on one second.